Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And now another big fear I have outside is these big spiders you know, that appear and they build these huge webs, you know, and without any light, you can, you can walk right into it. It's like a nightmare, and you, and you end up with a spider on your nose or something. That, and, and so, and, 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 am I the only one here that fears these spiders? You know, oh, man, okay. So, so these are the physical dangers of these the spiky liquid amber seed pods, the spiders. You don't see them without the light. In the same way, there are spiritual dangers all around us. And without light, we can't see them. We can't see them. So we get light from the B-I-B-L-E. The Bible gives us light. And so it says, it says in Psalm 119, 130, Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It says that just the coming in of the words gives us light. That verse tells us why it's so important to read the Bible every day, because the Bible is light. It's just as important to read the Bible as it is to have a flashlight on a pitch dark night when you're going out and you, so you can see the spiders and liquid amber seed pods. That's why it's important. Uh, just, just this last week, just this last Friday, I spoke to a person who told me she gave up reading the Bible because she didn't understand what she was reading. Well, there's a lot in the Bible I don't understand what I'm reading. But I, don't, but, but I read the Bible, and you read the Bible, to find out not what we don't understand, but to find out what we do understand. Because this verse tells us that it's this process, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It's this process of taking the words of God in that gives us light. And, and see, reading the Bible is like a flashlight in the hand in a dark night. Now, this is the first thing that we see about the, the light here is that it makes objects clearer for what they are. And this is told to us in Ephesians 5.13. Ephesians 5.13 says, all things are made manifest by the light, by the light. So when you read the Bible and you let the Bible come into you, light comes in. That's what happens. And also, when you read the Bible, it's just like when you sit down in your house and you read the Bible, it's almost like you can hear as you're approaching the Bible, you hear the Bible, it's knocking at your door. Just like the Lord said that he knocks at the door of our hearts in Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20, the Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. What a visual that is of the Lord there, of the Lord knocking on the door of our heart. And not just knocking, he's calling. Hear my voice. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice. So he's, a, he, he's knocking at the door, he's, a, he's knocking at the door, and then we hear the sounds. He, say, he says, he, he says uh, he, he's calling, I said, John, it's me, 
John, it's me, it's the Lord. Are you there, John? Open the door, open the door, let me in. That's how we should see the Bible. That's how we should see the Bible, is the Lord knocking at the door of our hearts and calling out our names and wanting us to, to open, as just as we've been singing here, when meek souls will receive him still, the dear Lord enters in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. My voice, my voice. There's something that happens when the Bible is, is seen, there's something that happens when light is seen as the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something that happens when the Bible is seen as the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It transforms. The Bible transforms, and this is the life that really wins when the Bible is seen is not just a book to be read, not just a, a, a something we should know, but it's actually, we read this book, and all of a sudden we realize, hey, that was just the advice I needed for this day. Hey, that was the counsel I was looking for. Hey, that's direction that I was looking for. That's not coincidence. That's not by accident. That's because the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, is speaking through the words to our hearts. It's very personal in that sense. Now, the Lord said that there would be false prophets in Israel's day in the Old Testament, and he said that, 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 you could, that the Israel could understand if a person was a false prophet as to whether or not what they said lined up with the word of God, with what God had said in the past. In Isaiah 8.20, Isaiah 8.20, he said, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them no light in them. If they don't speak in alignment with the word of God, the problem is there's no light in them. Jehovah Jesus is not in them, and he's not, they're not speaking according to the word of God, no light. That's the problem. But the Lord told us, he said, you, I am the light of the world, and then he said, you are the light of the world. So he wants to come in and to shine out from us, and that's a wonderful thing. Now, what we see here is that one name for the Lord is also the Word of God. As we were looking here in John 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and then later on it says the Word was made flesh. So he's the Word of God. And in Revelation, in Revelation 19, Revelation 19 and verse 13, it says his name is called the Word of God. So he is the Word of God. So now, the, the, but, but the Bible is like a light to us. It's the word of God is a, is a light, and we have this verse in Psalm 119.105, 119.105, where it says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Now, when you think about it, it's a lamp to the feet. Well, what good is a lamp to the feet if the feet aren't moving? The feet are just standing there. It's only when the feet are moving, when they're walking, that the value of the light is there. And so it's, in other words, it's for direction, it's for discernment in life. But the Bible is not only a lamp for the feet, but it's a light to the path. So in other words, it's good to think about the Bible as a lantern, like a Coleman lantern, and a mag light. The Coleman lantern, it, it, it lets you see what's right in front of your feet, and the mag light shows you the far off direction. Just the, other, just the other day, I, I saw something that looked like a piece of dust on the floor. So I, I, I went to go pick it up, and, and, and I guess they've got a picture of it, what it was. There it is, see? That was the piece of dust I was picking up. And, and so I said, oh, that doesn't look like dust to me. 
And, and so there he is, a scorpion. Now, fortunately, this scorpion was all dried up, so I was kind of happy for that. But, and I dropped it, and, and at one point, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, at one point, I bet he was alive at some point. And, 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 I, and then the other thing I was thinking is that he might have friends. <laughs> he might have friends, and they're still alive. And so, and so it, it, it emphasized to me, don't go reaching down and picking up things. You know, have a light. Have a light and show it. And that's the value of the Word of God. The Word of God is like a light to us that'll show us things like these before we go down there like I did. And so, and, and, and you know, then it says, the Word of God is like a, 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 a light to our path where we can see far beyond. You know, I, I like sailing, and, and, um, and, I, and, I, and I, sometimes I would just kind of get involved with sailing and, and not really care where I was going, and then I'd get lost. You know, I'd get way out in the middle of nowhere someplace. And so I learned that very early is that you can't do that. And so what you have to do when you sail is that you have to pick a point on land. And whenever I go sailing people and I say, okay, this is what you do. Take a point on land and sail to that point. Or you have a compass, sail to the compass. Because you, you're gonna get knocked around. There's gonna be the currents that are coming. That's gonna be the, the wind, the different winds, especially out in San Diego Bay where you have those hills that making the winds go crazy. And, and you, so you're going to constantly, you're going to, be, you're, going to be, you're going to be blown about. And so you have to constantly go through course corrections so you pick a point that you're sailing to. That's what the Bible gives us. It gives us the, the light to our path. And so that's, that's the point. Now, there's a special emphasis in the Bible on something which is called, the, in, uh, uh, which is called in Isaiah 9-2. You remember, we're gonna be coming up on Christmas here. Isaiah 9-6 is gonna say, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Really, Isaiah 9-6 is the answer to a problem of Isaiah 9-2, Isaiah 9-2. Isaiah 9-2 is the problem, Isaiah 9-6 is the solution. Isaiah 9-2 says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. So the place where the light is seen is called the land of the shadow of death. And people who saw the Lord Jesus Christ saw in him a great light. But those people were said to be walking in darkness and when you're when 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 you when you're when you're in the and this was the people that are described in the area of Nazareth where he grew up, where it says in Matthew four thirteen Matthew four thirteen leaving Nazareth he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet the land of Zebulun the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region and, the, and, and shadow of death, light is sprung up. And then from that point, it says, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they, they, they were either walking in darkness or they were sitting in darkness. And this is the setting of the people in the land of Galilee, the northern part of Israel, when the Lord Jesus began his, his ministry. They were walking or sitting in darkness. And that is the description of lost man today. Their lives are either walking in darkness where they are filled with busy, 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 working, 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 or their lives are in a state of depression 
where they've just, just given up. And that's a description of walking in darkness or sitting in darkness in the land of shadow of death. And that describes, that's, that's, that's the description that, that, that Job especially was talking about as, as he was enduring all the suffering that he was going on. And he said in Job 10.21, Job 10.21, before I go, whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. And then he, went, he, he also said in the next verse, Job 10.22, Job 10.22, a land of darkness as darkness itself and the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. Now, we all know this most famous psalm, Psalm 23, where it says on the fourth verse, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is what Christian was talking about, Emmanuel. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what is this shadow of death? What's, that's referred to, that Job talked about, that King David talked about. What is this, both in this life and, 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 the, and, and after this life, in the place that no one, God wants no one to end up in, in hell, after death? Well, a shadow comes in between a person and the source of light. God is light. This is the message in 1 John 1.5, 1 John 1.5. This is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. More specifically, God, being the Lord Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. So the Lord Jesus Christ is light, and man is not born in the light at all. Man does not, does not live in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why man is in the darkness, because there's something that's blocking the light. He is there, man is here, and there's something that's looming, that's blocking the light, and the problem is, what that is, is death. It's sin and death. Death blocks out God. Death stands in between man and God. And when death blocks out God, it becomes the shadow of death. Now, where does this death come from? In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin. It's very personal. The wages of our personal sin. The wages of what we did, said, and thought personally, the wages of sin is death. Death comes from sin. Death comes very personal to us. It's individualized sins. It is our personal disease that every person has. And that makes death not just a concept. That makes it a personal consequence that we all have. And death is standing in between man and God, and it's casting a shadow called the shadow of death. And that's terrorizing. And that fear and that terror is not just in this life. That fear and terror is in hell. Hell is described as a separation from God. But it's not like just God's in the other room and, 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 and separate. That's a big separation. It's visualized in Luke 16, 26. In Luke 16, 26, where that separation, Abraham calls it a great gulf that's between those who, who, who are with him in paradise and those who are in hell, where the people in hell would very much like to get over, but they can't. And, because, and, 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 and in between is this death which casts its shadow. Now, this is, what the, this is why the Lord Jesus Christ is so great as the light of the world, because when he came to earth, he came and stepped around death, and he gave this great light 
The people would, uh, Mark, uh, Matthew 4.16, Matthew 4.16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. They saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. He is the great light. He is the great light that destroyed death. He destroyed death, as it says, it says in Isaiah 25.8, Isaiah 25.8, which speaks about, it pictures him, the Lord Jesus, as a lion, as a lion that, uh, that, that attacks death, as it says here in Isaiah 25.8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from the earth. So what a picture of that. Just think of the lion that has destroyed its prey. Then after the lion has finished its prey, eating its prey, the question is, where's the prey? Where is it? Where's the prey? And the answer is, it's gone. It's gone. The prey is gone. It can't be found. The lion swallowed it, swallowed it down. That's how death is described. It's eaten up. It's swallowed up by the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. So these questions, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's like asking, oh, where's the prey? Where's the prey that the lion had that I just saw? Oh, the prey? 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Oh, the prey, death, it's swallowed up in victory. He swallowed it. So victory, this word victory, it shows us that the prey put up a fight. It wasn't like a lion eating a gazelle, where the gazelle just lies down and die. This is fighting. This is like the lion fighting a leopard, where the leopard's putting up a great fight, and where the where 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 the Lord Jesus Christ faces off with death as the light, and he says in Hosea thirteen fourteen, Hosea thirteen fourteen, he says. Uh, he, he, he picture him going into the boxing ring here, the, the ring of wrestling over everything. And he says, he, he, he steps in there and he's pointing at us and he says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Then he turns to his opponent, death, and he says, O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. See, that's the picture of the Lord Jesus as light, stepping into the ring of death that casts its shadow. And before that, he taunts in death and says, I am your worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare has just, has just appeared. You, death, have stood in between man and God. And you, death, are holding man away from God by the power of your grave. And you are, and, and, and you are casting the shadow of death. You are terrorizing man with, this, with your shadow of death. But I'm going to be your worst nightmare. I'm going to be your destruction. That's like David, when he went to go fight with Goliath, before David started the battle there with Goliath. You know what David said in 1 Samuel 17, 46? 1 Samuel 17, 46, David say, said to Goliath, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And it was a tough fight. It was a tough fight. And especially when you look at that in the terms of light fighting against darkness, the Lord Jesus fighting against the darkness of the devil. It was a tough fight. And it was a fight that cost him his life. 
And before he died, the Lord Jesus died in John 19.30. John 19.30, it says, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. You know what it meant when he said it is finished? That was essentially, he's saying, I won. I destroyed death. I swallowed up death in victory. And when that happened, the Lord Jesus Christ, as light who had come to earth, he had confronted the darkness of death, the shadow of death, the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and he won. And that's what's meant, this battle with light and darkness in Hebrews 2.14, Hebrews 2.14, where it says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So when we celebrate Hanukkah, when we celebrate light, we are celebrating how the Lord Jesus Christ fought with and overcame death and the darkness of death. This is what communion is all about. Communion is a remembrance of the fight between light and darkness, between the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil. It's communion is a remembrance of what it costs the Lord in that battle and how he won that battle. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is the remedy for death. The Lord Jesus Christ is the light, is the remedy for darkness. And what he spoke about, the Lord Jesus spoke about what condemnation is. When he was talking about, he said, the great love of God in John 3, 16, he talks about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then, strange and strange as it may seem, he moves then from the love of God to then talk about the condemnation. And he says in verse 19 of John 3, John 3, 19, he said, this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So when did light come into the world? When the Lord Jesus Christ came. And what did, that, what did that actually create for man? Well, it created for man, on the one hand, the John 3, 16, which is God so loved the world, the door is open, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But nobody is forced into that, hence the thought of Calvinism, Nobody is banned, no, nobody is forced into that, it's a choice. So when he came, a crossroads were created, and man was put into a choice, and now it's man's choice. What will he decide? He will either decide to love the remedy, which is the light that came into the world, the light that fought with darkness and won, the light that overcame death. Love the light, hate the evil, Turn this way, love the light, hate the evil, or love the darkness, hate the light. And that's the, and he says, and, and the condemnation, he said, the condemnation is to hate the remedy. The condemnation is to hate the remedy and love the sin. This is the whole point of John 3, 19. This is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than light. John 3.16 is to love the light and to come to him, believe into him, 
and it should not perish, but that means turning back on sin, or the condemnation to love the, love the darkness and hate the light. It is all a matter of a person's response to the light. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 